This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today I'm speaking with Steph Sample, serial entrepreneur and founder of Funded, an exciting new venture dedicated to getting capital to the nearly 96% of American businesses generating less than $1 million per year. It became so clear that if you wanted to solve for women or minorities, it comes down to money. Like they don't need another mentoring program right. or, or to learn how to be a business owner. They need money. Today, we'll talk about why, in Steph's view, our system of allocating capital is outdated and how funded will make it better. Steph, thanks for coming on the show. Of course. Happy to be here. Yeah, so tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Well, I started my life in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, that's where my family's from. But in fifth grade, moved to Billings, Montana. Okay. So I mostly grew up in Billings, like yeah. eastern Montana. I always joke like I'm like a real Montana entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I'm actually from here. And then growing up, my mom always worked in a lab uh, hospital. Huh. She is the one that takes a tissue and turns it into a slide so the doctor could oh, read it. Oh, yeah. I was always so fascinated by that. And then my dad was kind of a factory worker. Mm -hmm. And then um, about high school, he really went out on a limb and opened up a small business, which I thought was so cool. Okay. And what was that small business? It was a leather apparel shop. So he, he's definitely a Harley guy. It's yep. so cool. So he kind of opened up around the corner from the Harley shop, the place everyone, you know, they went and bought their motorcycle sure. and then they went and saw my dad and got all the gear. So that must have been a fairly formative experience in that, you know, you are now something of a serial entrepreneur here in Montana and beyond. Is that an accurate description? Sure. You know, I've never honestly paused to think about it. I never related it all together. But I, I definitely remember those days. I remember him starting the store and that whole journey. Yeah. So tell us about that. I mean, give us, you do so many things. We're here to focus on funded today, which we'll get to, but give us sort of the, how do you describe yourself when somebody says, Steph, what do you do? I mean, how do you kind of, in, in an elevator pitch kind of way, to say it succinctly? Oh my gosh, it's the worst. In fact, like that's the best part of Funded is now I have such a clear answer. Right, exactly. But until Funded, I hated that question because it was like always this balance of like, well, what do I say? And do I talk about all these businesses? Or do I sound like, you know, like, I don't know, arrogant or something if I talk about the businesses or... But what's so great about my journey is I got into entrepreneurship as soon as I graduated, like mm -hmm. right here in this building. I remember I was at like my first job out of college, usual grind job, you know, $24,000 a year and just wanted to do something. And so I took up sewing in my free huh. time, which, you know, being a good like Utah born person, I knew how to sew. And um, one week weekend, I made this bag out of this kind of clear frosted vinyl out of my husband's heat sheet from the Boston Marathon. Okay. Um, I went to lunch with my favorite professor from college, Mike Braun. I showed him these bags and I was like, hey, do you think I could sell these? And he was so supportive. He bought seven bags. Like, wow. And they probably weren't even that good. Like, yeah. They were probably horrible. I went back to work and bought an expo booth at the Las Vegas Marathon, went down and started hawking my wares. And I've really never turned back from entrepreneurship. 
at the same time, I was lucky to my boyfriend at the time that became my spouse had taken over a family business. Mm -hmm. That was really my education at night, hearing about how to hire people, management, um, system and process. Then I applied it for myself, bringing the brand of Massage Envy to the state, did a couple other businesses along the way. And eventually, I really like to spin up businesses, get them operational, and honestly, and then leave them. Like, sure. I, I've kind of embraced that about myself for a while. I think I was like, wow, why don't I stick anything out? <laughs> like, well, it's the creating piece that, that really feeds you. That's right. Yeah. But really, I, I am, I'm a builder. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm different in that I like to picture the company, create the structure, the revenue model, bring it to life, get it operational. So yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed kind of spinning things up and selling them. And so now we're, you know, kind of at this moment where what you're about a year into this funded journey. First of all, like tell us what funded is and then we'll kind of get to the need that it's trying to meet. We are all about empowering business owners on their growth journey by simplifying business finance and access to capital. We uniquely focus on businesses with under 10 employees, which actually is 80% of all of the businesses in the US. That's 26 million businesses. And also the most overlooked and underserved segment. This, This is the segment of business owners that are highly likely to be declined for a loan, have really no capital options. And so it's just a, a really hard time. But these business owners are also like, you know, the backbone of our economy, yes. especially in Montana, right? Like we are small business here. So we are solely focused on that segment. So I think let, let's pause on that for a moment because you say 80% of businesses in the United States have 10 employees or less. Yeah. I feel like in business school, and I'm a business school professor, like we overstudy the Googles and the Amazons and the Facebooks and the Teslas. We, we do so much of our curriculum centered around these big firms. Very few of our students are one gonna go in those firms, but as you're saying, those are such a small sample of the businesses right. out there, but so much of business education and media and just sort of popular culture is centered around these giant players, kind of neglecting the fact that so much of where business really happens is in these smaller entities. That's right. And and they're so impressive too. Like small business is not just a great solution for an individual, but they have you know great benefits to people. They're more flexible. They create better culture sometimes, right? Not always. That's um, overstatement. But yet, and they also employ most of America. Like mm-hmm. Google does not employ most of America. Small business owners do. And yet, like you look at like insurance plans and four hundred one ks, those companies are building for the Googles. Yes not for these small business owners. So these small business owners, like if you think about like their fixed fees are enormous because our systems are usually built for that bigger player. They have no buyer power in the market basically for any of those fundamental services. Yeah, it's really incredible. And also like the most passionate people, like I I love small business owners. Funded thinks we're like an advocate for them because they are the most amazing. They're, They're in it, you know, they're, running their store, they turn around and like update their QuickBooks and classify expenses. And then they do payroll. And at night, they get phone calls because something doesn't work out. And they have to balance all of that, that they're just really impressive people. Indeed. So let's talk about the the, the sort of problem that Funded is trying to solve. I mean, I've heard you say that our system of allocating capital is just outdated. 
poorly designed, et cetera. Make that case. What, what's broken in the system that you're trying to solve? I, I mean, the financial system in the U.S., right? Exactly. Like, and it's really hard to solve, too, because it's highly regulated. There's a reason why finance is, is hard. But if you think about business in particular, for example, the local banks here in town, all amazing banks, but where businesses get loans, it's still called the commercial lending department, sure. right? Essentially, without meaning to tying the ability to get capital to an asset, just because that at one point in the history of our world made a lot of sense. Almost all business capital, uh, traditional business capital, is in some way tied to some sort of asset. So your ability to leverage your home or land or, sure, or like, something. What do you have for collaterals? Yeah. What you always get asked. Right. <laughs> what are you willing to give up in life if you have anything, which is limiting in and of itself, right? Why does a it... bank want your house or your car or any of those <laughs> things, my camper van or whatever it is? I don't know why any bank would want that stuff. Right. But it's, it's the way it's always been. But think about like... It's a privilege, especially right now in our country, to own a home, yeah, like to have absolutely. an asset to leverage. So just the nature of the system leaves a lot of people out. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, um, that we have these traditional systems built around relationships. Like you think yeah. of historical community banking, which was fantastic in its time. Um, there's nothing wrong with community banks, but it, it also leaves a lot of people out, right? If I don't know if you've looked at many websites of bank boards, the people generally all look the same. Yeah, very similar. Uh, gray <laughs> hair, white skin, uh, gray suit, the whole bit. You said it, not me. But there's a lot of people out there that don't look like that, that don't network in those circles. And so is it fair that they then don't have a path to capital? Probably not. And then you think about small business, you know, like these are considered thin filed businesses. That's kind of the term you yeah, always hear. Yeah, define that now. term. So thin filed generally refers to credit policies and, and what it means is like that they don't have credit history sure. or longevity. Like a business hasn't been around long enough to consider it like having enough data to thin underwrite filed. on. That's just such a loaded term. You're I know. Who wants to be called thin filed? Like, oh, yeah. sorry, I'm a thin filed business. Like yeah. <laughs> nobody. But it is, it's the way the system works. And so it becomes this really limiting factor. And, and for this segment for under 10, the reason why we picked it is we, I really believe that in order to solve the problem for this um, smaller segment of business owners, which is the majority you have to solely focus on it because the way you would collect data, like banking data on this segment is very different than you would on like mm. a company with 25 employees sure. or call it $10 million in revenue. And so we just really believe that by focusing on this under 10 or under million dollar mark, um, we would be able to crack the nut, figure out the algorithm, the decisioning models that would make it so we can safely lend to them, learn from it, and continue to. And, and so that's how we're thinking of it. Beyond that, though, um, actually where we started is I was really passionate and focused on women in okay. business. Yeah, so this all kind of came out of my desire to really help other women business owners. Mm -hmm. I had started a nonprofit around the topic. And as we were getting all of these members that we were trying to help, it became so clear that if you wanted to solve for women or minorities, 
it comes down to money. Like they don't need another mentoring program right. or, or to learn how to be a business owner. They need money. They just need access to the capital. When I went out in the market and saw what was out there, I thought, well, I don't think it makes sense to create financial products around someone's gender or race. Like that shouldn't be the goal here either. And what we learned from the data was while women own 43% of all the businesses, only 1.7% of women-owned businesses generate over a million dollars in revenue. Interesting. Okay. So by serving this and solving for the under 10 employee business owner, we are by default also solving for you know 98% of all women-owned businesses. So when you're talking about this current system that's in dysfunction, whether it's controlled ex- you know, almost exclusively by older white men or, or whatever, like... It, it, it excludes a lot of folks that don't look that way. It's not necessarily clear that it's designed with that intent no. or if that's just the outcome. You know, women or people of color or whatever maybe just didn't fit the profile of risk that um, that a lot of the people in these positions of power sort of had in their heads. That's right. Yeah. Like, and, and I really like to emphasize that I participate in the first interstate bank advisory board yeah. here in Missoula, and it's full of amazing, wonderful people. But yes, we all have those biases in us and and that does drive it. Like there is a reason why business happens on golf courses. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, it makes perfect sense why my husband um, might, you know, work out a, a lending product while golfing with our banker sure. and I was not there, mm-hmm. right? Like that, it, it wasn't intended that way. No one's trying to be like a mean person. But unfortunately, it does happen that way. And um, it's why I'm so confident in fintech and the future in our country, because fintech, one, we're outpacing banks. Yeah, you're going to have to define that for the listener here. What is fintech? (laughs) So all it means is financial technology. It's what describes all of the innovators like Funded that are trying to solve financial problems using data, technology, Mm -hmm. anything but usually the traditional system. Right. And and in so doing, they're looking at everything very differently. And so, for example, like in in the fintech space that I'm in and and even consumer fintech, we're looking at data and we aren't even using credit scores in underwriting and improving people for Mm. our lending products, our card products. That's a great example of how fintech is innovating in the space and creating opportunities for people. What's great about that is it eliminates anything like race, gender, or zip codes. Sure. Even, you know, which are, are a problem. And what it, that kind of makes it really exciting because they're the opportunity for people in the future, if we start creating these new ways of doing things that don't rely on do you know a banker, <laughs> it, it's really promising for people. We'll be back to my conversation with Steph Sample after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. This is Sam Schultz, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Steph Sample about her exciting new venture, Funded. So you mentioned a moment ago that the people who are running these businesses, they don't want mentors, they don't need focus groups, they just need capital. 
Sure. So how are you at Funded getting capital to these people? At Funded, we're doing three main things. We are focused on small business lending in a variety of ways. How we do it is you come in, you apply one application, you meet with an advisor to help you figure out what kind of lending product you need because there's so many from invoice Mm -hmm. factoring, a traditional term loan. There's like 14 different options. So you meet with an advisor based on your numbers. Um, You figure out the right kind of lending product. The advisor then goes out and sources multiple loan options for that business owner, then comes back together with them and not just presents the options, but also explains them. Like how does the interest rate work with this one versus that one? ultimately helps the business owner pick a lending product and then they go on and you know execute against that and get the capital and then pay it back however the terms are set and so are then but you're not a bank no you're a pass-through of some kind yes that's right and so um when in the u.s to lend to businesses you do not have to be a bank but you do need a lending license Mm. yes there are a lot of different ways to do that. So we're sourcing from like 85 different lenders and we're bringing them together. You know, if you're working with lenders, how are you then as the intermediary breaking up some of those barriers? Yeah. You know, how, how do you present the case of this small business to your lender in such a way that sort of breaks through? The particular way we do it, we're only partnering with those data-driven lenders. I see. Okay. Um, a lot of the small business segment has a long time, has a hard time finding those lenders. Right. And so it's more of a not knowing what's out there. You know, small business owner, they're so busy running their business that outside of the local bank that's around them, they might not know what all their options are. And then that ability to h- advise them and help them understand the right kind of lending product and then help them pick their loan. Those are really, really important steps in in our mission, at least. But yeah, and that lending product is is only one of the three ways yeah. we're helping them. So okay, what are the other two? The other things we're doing is we have grants and resources. So that product's live right now, and that's where we started in our journey. So what we realized was that business owners are looking for capital. They get frustrated along the way, and then they search for grants because they think that's their only option. Sure. But finding business grants is actually very hard. hard. Yeah, and most of the information out there is for nonprofits. There was no great database on it, so we built it. So we built a grant marketplace. Someone can come on, fill out a form, and based on the answers to their form, we can show them a page with grants that we think they qualify for. And then the third way, which we'll be launching um, in late summer, is we're building a business building card. Okay. So a, a business card product meant for this segment. A credit card of a sort, right? When you say yes. card. It's technically called a business charge card. Okay. Um, the difference is, is the card is not built for a business owner to carry a balance. Mm. It's really about expense management, understanding your cash flow, because for small business owners, cash flow is the problem. Like in a, And in so many ways, a lot of business owners aren't looking for a, a traditional lending product. What they're looking for is access to smaller amounts of capital available to them as they need it. So essentially smoothing out cash flow sure. as they have like growth opportunities. And that's what this card is meant to do is to help with them with that. 
within that, I mean, you are in this growth stage for funded. Uh, you have a very noble mission, but how yeah. do you all make money in the process? In technology, believe it or not, it really is important to understand how you make money. It is. Which is, you know, having a background in small business and making money has always been very important mm -hmm. to me. Um, and this is actually really tricky, but it's also very fascinating. So Funded makes money, let's, on our lending product, for example, we have a revenue share agreement on just the interest for whoever does the lending product for our community. Okay. And honestly, it's a it's a about the same no matter what. And so we don't really have an incentive either way. That's just a source, one of our lines of revenue. The other line of revenue is through our card product. And I am like an encyclopedia on this now. Couldn't even told you about any of this a year ago. So when you have a credit or a charge product, the beauty of the product is that the actual user is never the one paying you. All of these small business owners are like by them using their card, we make money. Sure. But we aren't charging them like an annual fee or anything like that to make money on top of it. And so how it works is every time as a small business owner, you swipe your card, the network and bank, there's this thing called interchange. It's a big deal. It really goes through the network. Typical interchange in a card product is about, in a credit product is around 22 to 2.4%. Okay. And then you split that essentially with your bank charter that you're building your product on. So you're basically bringing business to these lenders and mm -hmm. you've got a fee structure, commission structure that kind of yeah. funds your operation. That's right. And it's it's a pennies on the dollar sure. kind of thing, which is great for me because I've always been in volume-based businesses, yep. not like luxury or high margin. So we're definitely talking a very low margin game. Scale is super important. And it's why in order to solve this problem the way we are, we had to take um, the venture funded route. Yeah, let's talk about that in our remaining time. So yes, uh, low margin, high volume. As you said, there's a lot of these 10 or under person businesses yeah. in the country. The market is immense. How, how are you going about generating the capital to access as big a section of this market as you can? So when I first formed the company a year ago, like almost to the date, I already knew I had to be venture funded, that there was no sure. path. Yep. That, um, that was the play. Yeah, finance is really expensive to mm -hmm. stand up because it's highly regulated. You can't just like throw up a half-baked product, sure. see how users use it, yeah, and yeah. then kind of like fix it as you well, go. <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're in the subprime game 15 years ago, but right. let's set that aside. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, sorry, your you know transactions are reporting to someone else's yeah, account. Exactly. We're in MVP. Like, probably doesn't work. So the lift to set up a financial product, it, it's a lot. Yeah. So um, we went out and raised venture. We did $3.25 million round that we closed the end of November pre-product, which is yeah. you know a big deal. And we should just mention like that doesn't happen all that often in Montana. We'll get to that. You know, raising that kind of round from Montana during the pandemic was a really interesting journey, but it was the right one. I knew it was a very like formulaic approach more than I think it's talked about enough in Montana, but it really is more clear than you would think of how you raise venture dollars, the path you go down, like 
you know, you have you have the deck, then you create the data room. This is what you put in your data room to support all of your theories. Mm -hmm. This is how you create your product roadmap. And then and then you go and find like every VC in America that fits, you know, that seed stage, that's fintech, that you know, has dry capital, meaning that they probably closed their own fund in the last three years, so they're still deploying capital. Mm -hmm. You try to get that list as small as possible. um, but still your efforts. Yep. And then you like search LinkedIn, thank God for LinkedIn, for every possible second cousin's uncle that (laughs) might be able to connect you. And talk about, you know, we were talking about small business, but VC is like a whole nother topic of being very exclusive to who you know, oh, way yeah. worse than banking. Oh, yeah. So it's it's no wonder that this is really hard. It's no wonder that women in particular are only getting 2.2% of capital. But I was so lucky. One, I have had great relationships with for years with people all over the country because of a business group I've been in. I also am just comfortable being myself so i have pretty authentic good relationships with people and i am very competitive so raising was like a competitive sport for me it's a game you're gonna win and i was not going to lose yeah Yeah. awesome (laughs) and so literally it's like i crafted this introduction email had everything ready to go I knew that to have a successful raise, you needed to do it really fast. You, you're you raising or you're not. You aren't feeling out. And I went out and made it happen. I spent every morning going like, how can I get another introduction? How can I meet another person? And and then I was really fortunate. Like, again, I because I think I treated it like a competitive sport, I started raising in August. And I had my round closed by the end of November. That's, but it that's was really fast. <laughs> it was like a whole thing though. And and honestly, you know, I've heard these stories about raising. I thought it was awesome. I met mm-hmm. so many amazing people. I got better at explaining my product. My product got refined through sure. it. Yeah. Um like and some of these people I was meeting, like they they're so smart. They were so willing to share with me to make other introductions. And that was that was actually a big surprise for me. I actually got most of my introductions from people not in the state of Montana. So it was a really interesting lesson, but um, thank God for COVID, it changed the whole world. And as a result of that, you know, pre-pandemic, could a, you know, solo founder that's not technical without a background in finance, that's a female and lives in Montana, raise a $3 million seed round. I mean, yeah, I didn't I'm not hear, sure. <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear Stanford, Harvard, no. Silicon Valley, New York, or Boston in that description of yourself. No. So yeah, you're, you're already kind of breaking a lot of the norms here and mm-hmm. suggesting that COVID uh, enabled that in a way because you know, sure. all this happening remote, Zoom, it sort of flipped the script in a way. Like all of a sudden, as we said before we started recording, Montana kind of became this mystique, this asset, yeah. if you will. Yeah, and that's definitely what happened. And so I was really lucky on timing that um, the pandemic essentially erased borders in our country specific to venture, that today an entrepreneur with a big idea can raise around from anywhere in the world over Zoom. I never even met a single one of my investors in person. Um, Nobody cared that I lived in Montana. When it did come up, it was like, oh my gosh, I love Montana. Um, So it actually makes me really awesome optimistic about all of the entrepreneurs in Montana and their future because the there 
there is no limit and there is like an insane amount of capital out there to deploy. And so an entrepreneur in Montana, there's no reason today they can't be massively successful in raising venture. Awesome. Well, Steph, I can't thank you enough for spending your time with us and telling us this awesome story. I wish you all the best. Tell us if folks want to learn more about Funded and what you all do, where would you point them online? Yep. Our website is getfunded.com and Funded is F-U-N-D-I-D. So getfunded.com and then I'm on LinkedIn. Steph Sample, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. AJ Williams is our producer, BTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. And Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.